0: Good morning, good morning. How are we? Uh, I feel like we're uh, a little bit better than last week with uh, all the beautiful weather we had. I was telling Daniel, I was like, man, there's a lot of people walking in. He was like, yeah, we were a little low last week. I was like, yeah, it's because it's raining. You know, about 50% of us are going to be allergic to the rain when it when it's coming. So, no, I get it. Uh, you know, um, le- leading into this week, I, I want to I open you with this. For me, um, my family is on holiday right now. We're out at uh, one of the islands and... Uh, I was about to tell Daniel, like, hey, man, that's, that's like an hour and a half. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this week off. And um, but I was like, you know what? God, God has left something on my, on my heart with the B attitudes, because if there's one thing that um, I, I really enjoy is looking at the attitudes of humans, uh, because attitudes are choices, right? Like we, we are not just born with this idea of like, hey, here's your attitude in every situation that you're ever going to face. Uh, this is the way you're going to handle it. This is it, right? It is predestined. It's nature versus nurture, right? The whole talk. This is how you're going to... It's not that. Attitude is a choice. And attitude is probably one of the, the, the things I enjoy the most because it is where we can actually see change in people, right? It's through attitude. We see people's responses. We, uh, we, we, we see the way people interact with other people, the way people come to work, the way people take bad news, the way people take good news. Um, And and so for me today, I wanted to go on a journey with your attitude and my attitude as we're in the Be Attitude series. Um, And and specifically today, I want to take a journey through the ideas of blessings, um, through words like meekness. Uh, and, And near the end, I'm going to introduce what I believe is North American culture, which I'm going to call the blessing bell curve that we live on with triumph and tragedy. But I want to tie that back into the idea of of where do we see Jesus's attitude, right? And and Daniel and I have talked a lot about this week. Whenever I think about Jesus and I think about the way he approached things, the way his attitude was was to to just every situation, I feel like Jesus just rode this even keel, right? Like, uh, Jesus, a storm is coming. Got it. You know, Jesus, uh, thousands of people are being saved. I got it. Jesus today is terrible. I got it right. We, we don't see the these gigantic high and low of emotion and attitude in, in Jesus. We see uh, uh, this beautiful picture of acceptance while realizing to be fair, Jesus knew it was always bigger than things we would occur or see on planet Earth. And uh, so as we take this journey this morning through the Beatitudes, uh, that's what I want us to, to just kind of explore together, right? It is our own personal attitudes, um, our own understanding of, of our relationship with the word blessing uh, is going to be a big one. Our understanding of, you know, what is meekness. And, and to be fair, as we come into these Beatitudes is to understand, like, this, the Sermon on the Mount was huge, right? Because we're coming out of the Old Testament into the New Testament. And to be fair, this is Jesus saying, like, hey... This is how we live. This is how we conduct ourselves. This is, these are the things, really, right, our ethics and morals as Christians, who we are. And, and to go back to my opening statement about attitudes can be adjustment, to understand Christianity is not a, a light switch, right? I, I am saved and all of my things have switched from where I was. It is learned behavior that becomes heart-changed behavior. Right. But it takes us to consciously make decisions to do things differently and not expect that Jesus is going to come to do it for you. Right. Well, well, Jesus, turn me from that. Jesus, stop me from that. Jesus, don't let me do that again. And and, and to be fair, I believe Jesus looks right right at us and, and is waiting for us to stop waiting for us to not do that again, because he said, I've given you the power. I've given you my love. It is it is now you, my gift. It is you to decide these things. So as we dive in this morning um, through the Sermon on the Mount, you know I want us to uh, I, I want us to remember that right that this was a very big moment. In Christianity, because understand we're also, right, Old Old Testament philosophy switching to New Testament philosophy. I mean, hey, we've seen people sacrifice firstborn, you know, we've seen famine, we've seen feasts. Moses has parted the Red Sea. We've seen some wild things up until this point in the Bible. And now, Jesus, again, right, who has not come to abolish the law, right, he is not there to say, oh, that was nothing. I, I am now here to uphold this law through me and to show you the way that we now live this life out. Uh, my, my verse that I'm sitting in this morning, and, and weird as it is, normally I, I'd read about 15 or 20 verses, right? But I'm just going to read one. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And it is not, you know, I'm not a screen person and understand that. Um, there are a few words on these slides, but I think the, good, the slides re- re- revolve in those Bible pages. So uh, I'm not a big one to put things up there. I don't want you to get lost on it. But my verse this morning, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth, right? And that's a pretty bold statement. They will inherit the earth. So let's dive into it a little bit, and, and, and let's first think about what comes to us when we think of blessed, right? And uh, and also understand what it means. If you translate it back in Greek, right, the word blessed in this version can also be translated as the idea of happy, right? Happiness. Uh, so think right, as we're, as we're understanding our attitudes and our relationship with blessings, blessed is happy. And this idea is that in this, in this verse, then, if we're saying that if, if the scripture we're reading right here, right, is to say that blessed are, so what we're, we are definitely agreeing with that, that if, you are, if you are meek, you're going to be happy. And we'll get to me, but the blessedness is also to understand this is from God's lens, right? God, the author, is the lens that we're talking from here, right? As we say, as blessed or happy. So, it, this is not our own, right? This is, it is a spiritual prosperity, and the idea that this is not necessarily completely tied to an earthly happiness as we may know it. We have certain things that make us happy, right? Like, uh, you know, we had some, some friends over yesterday, and we were joking about, like, because they wanted McDonald's, and I've got my kids that want McDonald's. McDonald's makes them happy. Now, you could take a young man or a young woman and turn that frown upside down, you know what I mean, with a crown from McDonald's. Like, Here's your happy meal, and I'm happy, right? I.e., the marketing behind it. It's not called a sad meal. It's a happy meal, right? So we have a relationship with happiness, which I will say is our relationship with blessings, right? And I think there's the first part you start to look at yourself and say, what makes me happy, right? Because that's really how you're viewing the blessings in your life. If you want to get deep dive your behavior, blessings and happiness are parallel with each other. So you have set the the thermometer of how I'm happy in my life, right? If I had this, that, and the other, I am pretty happy, right? It's like we come in here, we got lights, we got air conditioning, we got heat, we got chairs. I got to be pretty happy sitting inside my service this morning, right? It would be very interesting in a social experiment to remove all the chairs and replace this floor with dirt and see how many are coming back week after week. Would we hinge our relationship with the church and Christ on whether or not I had a seat to sit in? I don't know. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying it would be interesting to see the social experiment of that, of how we're justifying our happiness, our blessings in Christ, right? So, it it, in the Sermon on the Mount, right, he's using this from the Greek word, which is actually markerios. And uh, you saw how I wrote that. I've been practicing that, right? So th- this word, right, is, is happy or blissful in Greek terminology. Now, we could jump in the rabbit hole of self-contained happiness, right? We, we definitely can. We could jump in a rabbit hole to say, man, if I wanted to mark down all the things on a list right now that make me happy, right? That, that would probably be very interesting for us to even deep dive on ourselves, to say, hey, what are the 10 things that make me happy? And, and what I would ask for that is to say, okay, how many of those are spiritual in nature, and how many of those are 100% earthly in nature, and have no being to the idea of the essence of Christ? Again, not saying that you are guilty of this, nor am I saying, am I saying I'm not guilty. I would be a hypocrite, right? I have certain things that make me happy that are 100% earthly and have nothing to do with the essence of Christ, that is the reality we live in in North American Christianity. We have been given, through our own devices, much of what we consider now to make us happy. But it, as we move forward today, I really want us to focus on going back to the perspective of God's blessings in our life. Not our own idea of blessings, God's blessings in our life. And if I think about it from a scripture standpoint, you say, hey, give me one piece of scripture that, that what you would say, like, man, that, that is... That, that's God's lens of blessings in life. And I, and I always have to go to Jude. There's only, there, there's only a chapter there, right? Chapter 1, and you read verse 1 through 2, and it says, To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, hear the words, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Peace, mercy, and love be yours in abundance. And those, to me, are how we start understanding God's perspective of blessings in our life. Understand, it does not say new car, television, and lots of money be yours in abundance. It does not say, hey, uh, tons of friends, great status, easy life be yours in abundance. It says mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance because that is God's perspective of blessings in each of our lives that we are able to be, to be given. Because much like I said with the social experiment of the chairs and, and, and as I go down the road of blessings, um, I'm, I'm always pulled to, to third world countries that I have visited and, and have spent any amount of time in. Some of them are war-torn, some of them were for mission trips, but I have a very interesting relationship with each of them. Because I go with a predetermined mindset that I am there as their savior. And I am there as big America coming to visit you and bringing you all the blessings you could have ever needed in your life. As I hand you a soccer ball and I give you candy and I shake your hand and I color pictures with you. Praise Jesus for a big America to show up and be your blessing. But I would argue this that I have never been to any third world country, and I've been to quite a few. I've never been about to get back on my airplane to come back to big, great America, and I've never had one of them say, can I please, please come with you? Can I please come back to your land? But I've had many people who have visited with me say, can I please stay here? Can I please not go back home? Can I stay with them on their dirt floor with no electricity? With nothing that we consider a blessing of happiness in our own lives. As they either will get up and work that day or they will die. Because there is no government aid. So, is our relationship with blessing been completely coerced by our own culture to believe that we are entitled to everything that we see upon us today? That we're entitled to nice cars, nice buildings to worship God in? Nice clothes to put on our body, food on every table. We can go spend $3.99 and grab a Happy Meal. We're going to eat today. I don't have to grow my food. I don't have to live off the land. I am blessed. Are we? Are we truly blessed? Or have we continued to find easy buttons to find a blessing and disguise it as a blessing because it fulfills that purpose other than what God has intended for us to be? So, I think our relationship with blessings may be slightly confused for many of us. And and as we come in later to kind of land this plane, and I, I introduced it as the blessing bell curve, I will also introduce how I believe our lives are defined by the outcome to seek the blessing. Not where we've been positioned in this life with an abundance of love and mercy and grace That is the actual blessing that is in our life. But as we switch gears to to being meek, right, or meekness, as we reference it in this scripture, right? Blessed are the meek. Well, what are the meek? John Gill's commentary said it like this. He said, hey, meek people don't envy, they don't retaliate, and they exercise patience in the face of adversity. Other words that we could probably describe with a definition like that are resilient, Right? We, 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 this idea of resiliency, but where is resiliency found? You know, if we look at modern times, resiliency is found by, by, by adding stress into the body, right? We, we work out, we get in cold baths, we get in hot stuff. Hard things make us harder, right? Do hard things make us harder. And I, I agree. I agree. But the idea of meekness that makes it, A little bit different is, is the idea that you you are, you're exercising patience. You're not trying to rush through something. You're not looking to retaliate. Matthew Henry added that meek people show joy and happiness, here you go, under dire circumstances, right? They show happiness under dire circumstances. And I've met a few people like that in my life, right? Where they have some God awful news or they have something to them and they simply sit there and tell you, Ah, that's right. May the good Lord continue to bless me. And you're like, what? The good Lord bless you, my man. You are sick. The good Lord is here with me. You know, hey, uh, I just lost everything to my name. May the good Lord continue to bless me. What? You know, I I was we were riding up uh, our niece, my niece, Stella, Daniel, Pastor Daniel's daughter. Her birthday was this week and I was riding up with... uh, their mom, and she told me that when her mother passed away, um, you know her father prayed that may the Lord continue to bless us, right? And uh, so this idea of, of of under dire circumstances, the meek show joy and happiness, no matter what happens in the world around them. They latch on to God's provision and plan for their lives. And that's a struggle we have with words like meekness because we only see the tragedy or the high or the low, and then we go to kind of outcome-seeking, right? Like, oh, my gosh, what happened? I got to get through this. I got to get, get on the other side of this. Okay, hey, if we do this, this is going to happen. We do this, this is going to happen. But we don't just set in the middle of the moment to realize It's uncontrollable. The only thing that's controllable is our belief system and our faith system. So if the faith is weak, the moment will crush us. Point blank and simple, or you will continue to run until you can't run anymore. That is the honest to God truth. Why do we all get in trouble when we compound lies and stuff, right? And again, not being hypocritical, bam, done that one a few times, right? Uh, Did you do that? Nope. Are you sh- Yep. And you're already going to the next one. Okay, how do I cover the next one? Right? So if you don't face it head on with the idea of this, this joy and happiness, even in the bad, it's going to compound itself. You can't outrun the outcome you don't know. It's impossible. You're just running into to, to endlessness, right? So with, with meek, I wanted to kind of walk down where where the versions of the Bible, right? NIV says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. King James, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. ESV, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Very interesting, right? Our our kind of big versions of the Bible all coexist, which is not very often. Oftentimes, if you read those versions, they are different in how they say things. They didn't really despair from each other right here. They stayed on track. Even the message, right, and how it was wrote, it says, you're blessed, When you're content with just who you are, no more or no less, that's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. And that's strong. When you are completely content with who you are. Do we truly understand that being content with who we are is not an earthly lens? It is still a spiritual lens. So when I say be content with who you are, well, well, I'm not because I I, I need to lose 10. I'm not because I want to make 10 more thousand. I'm not because I still want that new car. I'm not because I still want to. Put, put my family in a five-bedroom, not a three-bedroom. All earthly things. And if it boils down to it, it is impossible. I'm going to call it for what it is. It is impossible, if we go back to the definition, right, of, of when Matt Henry said to find, to find happiness under dire circumstances, it's impossible, if that's our lens, to ever find happiness in any circumstance. Because if you aren't content with the spiritual being that God has blessed you as, you will continually search for other things to make you happy. Why do, why do uh, affairs happen often? Because we're seeking happiness. Why do we quit jobs? I'm seeking happiness. Why do I buy things? I'm seeking happiness. But are we seeking happiness or are we seeking avoidance? Of actually who we actually are as a person. And when I can get people, right, kind of the birds of a feather flock together mentality, as long as I have people accepting of my viewpoints and the way I live my life, I'm going to be happy probably for a while, right? But, but, but the part of happiness that's never exposed is what's in here, right? We, I don't get to look, check a lens and look through that shirt today and say, are you happy? Or are you just continually to run, Because you've never found the happiness in yourself that Christ has provided you. So when when we look at meek people, some of us could interpret it as weak people, right? Because we're saying, I'm trying to find happiness in who I am. I don't need nothing more, nothing less. I'm good with everything I've got, right? Uh, It it is who I am, right? Even the dictionary says that they are humbly patient under provoking from others. They are compliant. They're gentle. They're kind, they enduring injury with patience and doubt with resentment. There's plenty of people that would say, if those were your actions, you're weak. You're not meek, you're weak. Because you're just sitting there letting people do whatever they want. You're not, you're not fighting back. You're not, you're not putting your point, your two cents into the situation. I'm not proving everybody wrong that that's not who I am. I would argue that weak and meek are opposites. And meek is probably the greatest sign of strength you could ever have in your life. Because what it it would mean to say is when when, when everybody wants something to say to you, you realize you have nothing to say back because it does not matter. It is an earthly argument without the essence of Christ in it to be satisfied with who you are. So what does it really matter? When people are mean, they're going to be mean. When people are ugly, they're going to be ugly. We are sinful creatures, right? We are nasty if you want to get down to it. We are not nice people. But the strength in Christ alone is that I realize that. And I can never put my relationship of blessings and happiness in human beings. I'll call it for what it is, right? Uh, Marriage vows will take you down a road. Hey, I'm supposed to find some extreme happiness with this person. Is it the person or is it the unity in Christ where you will find extreme happiness in? Is it the team in Christ that you can find extreme happiness in? But if you chase it for the feel-good, you're going to chase emptiness, right? And as you take it into this meek lifestyle, for a lot of us, right, in modern culture, is to realize that it's probably this somewhat mild, passive, Maybe you could even say timid in its own way, uh, if you kind of saw this played out in our culture. So you would be like, man, that's not an alpha, right? Like, that ain't a go-getter. They let everybody say whatever they want to them. They're not even fighting back. They're not asserting themselves. They're not doing the things to lead, right? Because we think of leadership as this bold stance, right? Like, I am... The leader, follow me. I go back to Jesus. What did we say in the beginning? It was an even keel, it was an even emotion. His attitude was very easy. He wasn't, if you want to describe bold, we'll go to Peter. Peter wanted everybody to know who he was, right? Peter wanted the word, hey, disciple of Jesus. Right. I, I imagine Peter is the guy that, that has the, the name tag with every billet he's ever had in his life underneath of it. Right. Like a disciple of Jesus, fisherman, captain of the boat, uh, greatest fisherman on the West Coast. You know what I mean? Like Peter won the accolades. And again, so were we, most of us. Right. I am guilty of that. Right. And, and the crazy thing was when it got tough, was Peter bold? When it got tough, did Peter stand up high and say, "Nope, that's my Lord. You ain't taking him. Oh, Who is that? I ain't never seen him before, huh? Right? So, so oftentimes, we, who appears to be bold in Christ and, and, and leading in Christ are often the weakest in their relationship with Christ, and they're weak, weakest in relationship with others. They're really good until it gets really hard. And then all of a sudden, that's not them anymore peter to jesus right who's that huh i don't know Not, right how many of us have led parts of our christian life like that right i, I am a believer you know on my on my instagram profile love, believer in christ lover of the lord and then someone bashes you about it right or, or someone starts to get on your status about it or your, or your click is like man i ain't in that jesus stuff i don't follow the lord And you're like, ah, man, I ain't got no big relationship with a man. I just go to church, you know what I mean? Like, that's all my, you know, wow, man, boldness in Christ, right? Like, the meek lifestyle, to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, bearing with one another in love, right? And, And believers are called to share the gospel in gentleness and meekness, first Peter three fifteen instructs, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have, but to do this with gentleness and respect. Hmm. Right? We, when someone asks you to, to live, why do you live the way you live? Why do you believe the things you believe? Why are, why are you happy with who you are? Why are you content with being this way? Why do you live your life? It doesn't take you to stand up on top of the podium, right? And say, because I love the Lord. The Lord is good. No, because Jesus has given this to me. I was talking before the service, right, with the idea of like inviting people to church. And oftentimes we're trying to figure out the next greatest tactic. Man, what was Jesus' invitation? Follow me. That was it. Follow me. And you say, well, if you don't give them something to follow, then they probably won't follow you. right? And your words aren't what people follow. Your actions are what people follow. And that's why the gentleness and respect matters. right? Because all of us, no matter of our ethics and morals, to be fair... We care when people treat us with gentleness and respect. It is very easy for us to respect them back instantly. Right? And and some people have gotten really good at it and they can master emotion. They can flip a switch, right? Oh my gosh, it's so I'll tell you, there's some people who speak to me and I'm like, man, I just need you to speak to me every morning because you make me feel good. You know, let me just call you. Good morning. Hey, good morning. So good to hear your voice. Thank you. My gosh. You know. But to me, that's where gentleness and respect comes from, right? And I think that was Jesus' approach, is that it was just love. Follow me. Follow me. And and with gentleness and respect comes a belief. They're not going to lead me to bad places, right? I can follow them and see what's going on. Then you start to realize, wow, look at all these other things, part of their life. They are this way with everybody. They are just gentle and kind, and respectful. So when we say blessed are the meek, it's because those that live in as with meekness, people are going to follow them naturally. They are going to follow them way quicker than the bold assertion, right? It's the idea of like inviting the church, just like we said. If I said, hey, follow me, or if I say, hey, come on, follow me, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, follow me, right? There, there's way two different approaches. The, the second one I just said, people are like, what? Like, Who is this guy, right? It, it's just the quick moments that Jesus and the genius that he is understands how it touches people's emotion, how it touches people's thought process. It's their attitude, right? So as we move from here and we're going to hit into the inheritance of earth and get ready to, to land this plane, Understand, right, that when we look at meekness, we're not looking at non-retaliating, non-retali- right? We are thankful. We have joy in dire circumstances. So in tragedy and triumph, I'm happy, right? No matter if it's good or bad, I'm happy, which we'll close here with in a minute. Inheritance of the earth, right? And this can be a confusing thing because now we're saying, well, man, what are you going to inherit the earth? Are you going to get land? What are you going to get, Right? Uh, like some cows, like what, what are we inheriting right here? And, and and while we all, to be fair, are doing nothing but interpreting at this point in time, because the scripture does not go to a next verse, and I want to make that clear, right? There's an IMO in my opinion as I come into this next phase right here, that the inheritance of the earth is the peace, joy, and contentment that you live with in your daily life while here on earth. Nothing more. Possibly a lot more because Jesus has a lot of goodness, but nothing less, right? I, I, I don't want you to, to walk out of here to think that if I start living this way, I'm inheriting plots of land, right? Or I, I'm, in, I'm inheriting riches, because the riches are spiritual in nature. And, and I would say that if we really took a deep look in the mirror and say, if I could live each of my days of my life with peace, joy, and contentment, I am probably above Blessed than I could ever imagine, that I, that I am not searching for these things in my life anymore. And, and I'm not being just taken down the highs and the lows. And, and, and that's where I'm going to bring us to as, as we get closer to the end. You know, that's about 10 minutes. So I call this the blessing bell curve. Right. We've gotten pretty good with some curves and some graphs in our life where we see things like, oh, man, you know, okay, it's doing this and the trajectory and all that. I I have a pretty strong belief of kind of what's probably causing a lot of us to have a a soft relationship with, with Christ and not truly being appreciative of the essence of Jesus Christ is because our blessing bell curve is tied to the outcome of every situation that we face. Right. So, if life is good, all my stuff is going good, I'm great, you know, I'm happy. Uh, man, uh, work is good, home is good, kids are good. No complaints. Right? I'm living in triumph. I'm good. I'm good. I'm blessed. The Lord is blessing me. Right? But then it takes a drop. Work's not good, home's not good, kids not good. I mean, it, and again, being very being being very cautious with my words here, you know, I, I'm sick. Uh, uh, I have a death in the family. I have, you know, th- that's coming down, and so are we. And so is our blessing curve, because it's tied to this outcome of the situation, right? And, and so, so I'm not. I, I I'm I'm like, good Lord, come on, Lord, pull get get. Hey, turn this situation away, Lord. Get me out of this evil, Lord. Like we're, I mean, we, we, we are trying to get that outcome turned and turned away from us right now. No, sir, Lord, come on. Bless me up out of this thing. And that, to me, I feel is where we kind of go wrong with our relationship with Christ is we believe that that is a direct result of our relationship with Christ is this curve that we live in of, of how we view blessings. Life is good, I'm blessed. Life is bad, not blessed. Life is going good again, good Lord is blessing me. Life is starting to go bad again, hey, good Lord, I need you to bless me again. My argument is that is nothing more than situations and has absolutely nothing to do with blessings because the good Lord has blessed you already With the idea of contentment in desired situations by being able to even find a way to be meek when it's not good. And to realize that my blessings, if I tie them to the outcome, it's a trap. And you have been tricked to think that the Lord is taking you through this right here for the favor of blessings and not the testing of your faith, and not to understand that the good Lord is the good Lord through whatever lens we want to view something through, bad or good. Because the desired outcome is not of this earth. So all of this, in its sense, has about this much to do with God's blessing in our life that God's blessing in our life is that we can even stand here to know that in the true beauty of Christ, I am loved. I have been given eternal life. I have been given peace. I have been given understanding. I have been given mercy. I have been given grace. I have been given all of these things before the outcome even began to be a fault. And if you live your life on the blessing bell curve, your relationship with Christ mirrors this right here. It's when you realize that as life is doing this, you are doing this with your relationship with Christ. I am not exalting to the mountain because I got to raise at work. I am humble in my thankfulness to the Lord that I am even here to be able to be provided opportunities in this world to do good things. When I wake up and today is bad, my prayer to change the day is useless because the day is made. When I wake up and the day is good and and, and my prayer is to God continue the good day, it is useless. The day is made. But my prayer to say, God, thank you for today and continuing to guide me every day Amen. That is our attitude. I want to read something to you. You can tell me where it's from at the end if you want. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Hey, good Lord saying that to Satan. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put two servants to the sword. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you While he was still speaking. Another messenger came in and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came up and said, The chandelines formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put on their servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you why he was still speaking. Yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one to escape to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground in worship, and said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will deport. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job was blessed beyond measure in our lens, And the good Lord gave Satan the authority to test every bit of it. Killed his kids. Took his land. Took his animals. Took everything. Everything he had on earth. Can you imagine if our faith was tested in that way right now? Take your job tomorrow. I'm going to take your kids tomorrow. I'm taking everything from you tomorrow. Would you still drop to your knees and worship the Lord? Or would you drop to your knees to pray for a blessing to get out of this. I would be hypocritical if I said I'm probably not praying to get up out of this sometimes. But I also know that my work inside of me is to continue to be happy and content no matter the situation because the Lord has even blessed me to be in this moment on earth to make a difference in his name. As we close it here with it, attitude. It's the beatitudes, attitudes, right? A general long-lasting positive or negative opinion or feeling about a person, object, or problem. Attitudes are developed through direct experiences, social influence, and sometimes media exposure. Here's what attitude is it actually reflects the absolute trust and faith in what you have. And if your attitude is constantly combed by earthly experiences, that is not a complete trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not to say you're wrong. It's not to say you're weak. It's not to say you're bad. It's an alertness to all of us to understand where can we continue to strengthen our relationship with the Lord. That is what the B attitudes are. They are not this idea to say you are a failure. They're an idea to show you that is living in Christ. That, if you want to get down to it when you read all of them, are the blessings in Christ. And your absolute happiness will be found through living this way in these blessings by understanding that you can't control outcomes. You can only control your reaction and your reaction will be controllable by whatever you have your faith and your trust put in and if it's other people you're going to be like the wind if it's the good Lord you're going to stand firm you may lean to the side a tree can lean to the side during the biggest storm but what its roots and how deep they go will tell you whether or not it's going to break And for all of us, it's a root game. How far do our roots go before I break? And that's why I like the word meekness with resiliency, because I do believe they actually coexist. Because if my roots are deeper in Christ, I'm a more resilient human being, right? People always say literally the eye for eye, cheek for the cheek. It's not literal in sense. You told Jesus he wouldn't have turned the other cheek, because I'm pretty sure... He watched people drop nails through his hands, put horns on his head, and whip him and beat him and continued with all the power in the world. He welcomed it. Welcomed it. With every every bit of power he had, he welcomed the tragedy. Because why? The triumph was so much bigger than the tragedy. And in our lives, I understand it can be tough to understand that the tragedy is not the pinnacle sometimes, but I promise you, your faith and your trust in Christ, if it's deep, you will understand that there is no tragedy bigger than the triumph. As we close this morning, I'll leave you with this. You know, uh, I never quite got to grasp everything about, you know, visiting places in South America or the Middle East or in Asia, you know, where, where people had nothing. I never grasped it in my young age, younger age. I'm still young. And uh, I, I didn't. I really didn't. But it, it, it really set over time into me to realize that, man, like, you know, my responsibility is to be a good steward with everything God has blessed me with. To be content with my gifts from God. If it's to communicate, I'll communicate. If it's to live bold, I can live bold, right? But through meekness. But God has gifted me all these things. And I've been charged with being a good steward. And and what I will tell you this is what I've learned being in all those countries is my relationship with Christ for probably, you know, I I don't know if I could count my youth all the way coming up for 30 some odd years really wasn't true. Because when I go to these places and see people sitting on dirt floors, man, you know, living in famine, living in starvation, living in death, living in disease, and they wake up and say, thank you, Lord. Praise to you, Lord. And how many prayers have I wasted for something more? For something greater on this earth? How much time did I lead people to something more or something greater on this earth? But I never left, let them for, for a while to seek something greater inside of them that would let them, no matter if they woke up on a hardwood floor, a dirt floor, a carpeted floor, to say, thank you, God. Thank you for this. And, you know, I, I mean, the Internet in, in all its badness, I mean, sometimes these videos come through with like these little kids in Africa or somewhere singing songs that, that are just, you know, thank you, Jesus, for, you know, and I mean, they're in, in rags. And it can borderline break you down to tears to think I've got something to complain about. That I'm asking God for more. What I think we should probably do is ask each of ourselves to be more for Him and to be stewards of what we've been given so that we don't exit this world missing opportunities to introduce people to Christ by simply saying, hey, follow me. I want to lead you to Christ. I'm going to pray for us this morning. You know, um, again, I I don't want you to leave out of here thinking like, man, I'm a bad Christian, (laughs) right? Like, you know, uh, I want you to leave out of here saying, man, like, I need to understand myself. I need to understand my relationship with Jesus. I need to understand Jesus. I I don't need to know more of Jesus. I need to worship Jesus. I don't need to necessarily read more right now. I need to pray more. I don't need to ask for more. I need to be thankful for more. And, And for all of us, I think that's where it's at, right? I want you to leave here happy, because again, there's nothing to be sad about right now. Even when we are alerted to things within our own personal relationship with Christ, it's not a sad moment as much as it is, thank you. Thank you. You know, and, uh, you know, I'll leave you this. I saw a secular, uh, I'm going to say secular, make sure just in case one of y'all find the podcast. I'm like, what are you listening to? Um, I saw uh, one the other day, and, and, and the gentleman asked me, he said, what, what advice would you give young people? And he said, man, he said, my advice would be live lean. He said, because when you introduce more and more, it gives you more and more options to seek things in each of those things. But seeking your own self in your Lord and seeking your own purpose. You'll just waste time and all the other stuff. If I wake up sad today, I'll go grab one of my five cars. You know what I mean? But let me pray for us this morning and then uh, we're going to close and worship. And and again, thank you all for uh, sharing this time with me and, and being here with me today. I, I am always grateful and appreciative, and I will tell you, learned this lesson very hard with what the Lord changed in my life. Anytime you have, whether it's one or 101 people that are listening to you tell a story about Jesus Christ, I'm thankful uh, because I have been given the authority to, to, to share a message, not the originator of the message, just share a message. But let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, may we forever be thankful for you, Lord. May you, uh, may you continue to work inside each of us, God, and, and, and turn the wheels that need to turn for us to understand, like, Lord, man, I am thankful for today. It's not the wind blowing and how hard, the storms coming in my life, whether or not my, my thankfulness and my blessings are, are existent. I've been blessed to be able to handle it. And God, what I pray for each of us as we, as we leave here today is that, you know, we just, we look at ourselves sometimes and say, God, continue to do work in me so that I can continue to do work for you. And Lord, uh, we're just thankful for the blessings in our life. We're thankful for for each and every single person here. Lord, I pray those that maybe have never truly dedicated their life to you, God, that what they can have is a moment with you, Lord, where they simply say, Heavenly Father, I, I do believe in you, and I want you in my heart to guide my life. And Lord, when they have that moment with you, I hope may they forever not forget that connection that was started. And much like every relationship, Heavenly Father, it continues to need to be worked. And it continues to need to be walked. God, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for each and every single person, whether they're here or online this morning, that uh, just in, in, may we be in the essence of Christ in the beauty of Christ in the genius of Christ and realize, Heavenly Father, you are enough. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.